Hello everybody, welcome back to the Thick and Butter Podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Jesse. AKA Thick. And <laughs> Butter. Uh, this is episode 53, number... 54. Uh, four? Oh, yeah. man, 54. Um, and this is number four of the uh, Zoom uh, <laughs> quarantine podcast. Um, I'm looking at Jesse through my computer, as always. And I'm looking back at Alex, looking Ugh. great as always. It's so sad. <laughs> it's sad, but it's bittersweet, you know? It's just yeah. like, we're here, but we're not here. <laughs> Let me tell you something that I do like about video calls, though, like a lot. Mm. I we can enjoy... fart. We can fart. And yeah. You, know, you can't, you know... Not being able to worry about smell is great, or like the type of pants you're wearing is great. But I also really right. like seeing my video. I don't know if I'm just a vain I know, person. I kind of like it too because it's weird. Because that's I'm so glad you said that because yeah. there are times where I'll be looking at you and then I look up and I'm like, that's what I look like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's, it's kind of reassuring. It kind of, it yeah. helps with anxiety to be able to check yourself and be like, okay, I don't look crazy. Right. I feel I look kind of cool. It's like I can deal with this. Yeah, you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, I'm an actual, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a person. Yeah, it's kind of it's a really <laughs> weird thing. It's like a visual check that you can make sure it's just like, all right, I'm I'm in the lines. But also, you don't hear yourself. You don't see yourself talking. You know, yeah. you don't like. Like you, you start noticing the hand gestures you do. You start yeah. noticing the the little subtleties that you do. It's really weird. And it's kind of like you get to learn yourself as a person more, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone who's fifty knows that about themselves, and yeah. we're still growing into our existence. Right. But it's like seeing my own video feeds helps me learn. It's just like, oh, I'm kind of like that. That's right. Neat. That's, that's how I, I didn't hit know people. That. I'm yeah. gorgeous. Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, okay, so before we get into this episode, I have some notes. Okay. Um, so, follow us on Instagram, Click and Butter, at the Instagram. Click and Butter Podcast on the Instagram. And is spelled out, thick is spelled T-H-I-C-C. Everything is and normal then, and as you would expect it. And, and, B-U-T-T-E-R. Don't forget the E. <laughs> That's the most important part. Um, also, I we have a we have a we have an ad for our podcast. Um, we last night I was I was up till three a.m. and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna send some emails out. I'm gonna see if we can if we can get some advertisements at this uh, on this podcast. So I'm gonna. What? Wait, are you <laughs> serious? <laughs> Okay, so I did this at 3 in the morning last night, so I gotta do some ad reads, right? Alright. Alright, so... (sighs) This episode is brought to you by Pornhub. The hub (laughs) for all your quarantine needs. Um, You can use the promo code SECONDBUTTER to get 30% off your premium video purchase. And yes, you can buy videos on Pornhub. And then I I sent another email. And I got another, uh, this episode is also brought to you by Gatorade. When you get the Rona, Gatorade will indeed quench your thirst. So this episode is brought to you by Pornhub. 
and Gatorade. Um, thank you Wait, for Pornhub and Gatorade for yeah. sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Thanks, dudes. You big old uh, corporations out there listen to us goofy guys. What? Tell me, what the hell is going on? I was just up 3 a.m. and I was like, man, that'd be funny to do some fake light ad reads on yeah. the episode. Um, but yeah, thank you for thank you for Gatorade for sponsoring us. Um, I don't really like Gatorade, yeah. but um, but I love Pornhub, and <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually and, good uh, to use our promo code. Yeah, with it. really, that, our know, very this, real uh, promo code. Uh, which, this, if you had not said anything, I would have believed was a real <laughs> promo code because uh, it's good to pay for promo, your porn. <laughs> promo code, promo <laughs> code, butter. You get 30% off. That's crazy. Your premium content. Your premium... I mean, there, I don't know if you ever got on that website, but yeah. there's some great paid content that you can... Yeah. You know, you can watch it. You're getting have you ever, do you, do you, I've been browsing. You know, you probably have too. Just of browsing course. along. And you're, and you're like, you're like, you know... This shit just ain't up to snuff. My it's dog, too, it's, it's just too not. Expensive. It's do not I tingling really, enough. Do I really want to pay twenty dollars for yeah. this for this game bag? I don't know. And now you don't. You now you don't have to. <laughs> Dollar per dick, dude. That's outrageous. Well, no, I have that thought. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that those two companies. <laughs> We're gonna pull in to, some bank, dude. Yeah, um, those are some established boys. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what was the last podcast we did? It was last week, right? Yeah, it was. We did. We were it talking like last Sunday. A week feels like. I know. Moves, times moves very slow right now. So, what's new? What What's been going on? What What are the, is Eva still with you? Yeah, Eva's going to be. We're going to be taking her home mm-hmm. this Saturday, which is... Are you driving her home? Yeah, we're going to do, like, the meet her parents somewhere in the middle between Wisconsin. Yeah, right, right. Um, but that's... So that's a... That's that's going to be kind of a bummer, because then I'm going to just be, like... It's yeah. going to be weird. I'm just going to be here with my mom, and I'm just going to be graduating college. It's like, right. what the fuck? That's so strange. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Be by myself. Yeah. I've just been laughing I so much. I got graduation coming up soon. Yeah, I've just been laughing so much at the fact that I've just been hanging around in my underwear with, again, these major life events that are just flashing by. Yesterday was the last day of classes. I know. I didn't know that. I know, yeah. It's crazy, man. When, how do you, when do you not celebrate the last day of classes? I was just sitting around, you know, it's just like saying, it's like, yeah. man, I, what video game am I going to play today? <laughs> yeah. Just looking at all my folded pairs of pants. I feel like I'm just graduating high school again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm just at home, you know, with my parents. <laughs> oh, dude, like, that's true. You know? It's just like, it's, it's weird. I think like that's one thing that it's hard for me to get motivated to do stuff. I'm just like, man... There's nothing to look forward to at the end of this. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm home. But yeah, I'm already home. It's still cool, you know. It's still, I think now it's kind of depressing. But I think five years ago, you, Jared, and I will be sitting around drinking beers and we'll be like, yeah, that was crazy. And yeah, we seriously. Graduated on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I so, 
I mean, I'm I'm ready to be done with all this junk, and I'm ready to get out of school, and I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And I'm 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 hopeful that at some point we'll have our celebration. You know, it might not be like the school partying and at the campus, but at some point, like, can you imagine when we're all gonna be back together again? Like, yeah, you, know, Jared, right? other people, yeah, cool. new friends and shit like that. We're gonna go so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be crazy. The first boys trip is gonna be something else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, you, um, what are you, you just going to play video games? Watching movies? Yeah. Watching it's been a, it's It's been a lot of slogging through, you know, just the last bits of assignments. Because yeah. everything, no matter how big it is or how small it is, it's just a huge hurdle. So it's a huge emotional hurdle just to be like, I, why am I doing this? What is the point I in know. the world? I know. What, <laughs> what is the point in the world? Well, like, I, I, I had a paper for my econ, uh, econ, econ paper. Oh, oh, really? And it wasn't a hard paper. We had to yeah. write, like, we had to write one, one page reflection after finding some data on a country. Uh -huh. I found the data fine, but, uh, I was, I got to a page and I had to write a page and it's just like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I don't, I, I just really, I'm just not passionate about this right now. It's not even about passionate. It's about, like, rebellious <laughs> Apathy. Yeah. That's what it's like. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, for sure. I, I turned in about like a paragraph talking about it, which was, you know, I answered the question she wanted me to. I was right. just kind of sparse with it. I only realized later it's worth 24% of my fucking grade, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think, yeah. I think everyone's going to get a little bit of leeway. I don't need to do good. Yeah. I don't need good colors. I just I, need to, um, I just need to get over that hump, man. You no, know, here's a funny story. All right. And I, I just got this email, thank God, but, so, this is how disconnected from school and stuff I was. Uh-huh. So I was just like, I had this two assignments, you know, the, the papers and stuff, and then I realized on Saturday, I was like, oh my God, I had my, intro <laughs> my introduction to the Bible class. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said that I would do the, the work. Uh -huh. And like, it was due like two days, like after I realized that, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> it looks like I'm doing this satisfactory or unsatisfactory." Yeah. And I had to submit like a form, like this is fine, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's... I wish I realized that earlier, um, but whatever. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it's, it's funny, like, it's it's crazy that that was an option. You know what I mean? It's the nuts. unsatisfactory, the satisfactory mentions? Yeah, it's literally, you could, you could have been like, I don't want to take you time, and just say that, you know, your GPA wouldn't be affected. Yeah. And nothing would have affected you, just literally would have been like, oh, good. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And I, mean, and I mean, the thing is, is that we could, we could do... Because, so, every, the end of finals and stuff for us is May 11th or 12th, I'm not sure. We yeah, get grades back the 13th for our <laughs> classes, and then we, yeah. the deadline for choosing, pa like, if you want to go pass-fail is the 14th. Yeah. So, what we could do is do all our assignments by the 12th, <laughs> get our yeah. grades the 13th, and then decide to go pass-fail. That's fail. so good, Sam. And you can do it for GE credits. You can do it for cl class requirements. Yeah. 
that's just the kind of shit that they're you, they just need that kind of flexibility because yeah. everyone again rebellious apathy yeah. everyone is rebelling by doing jack shit yeah, and it's not like it's not even really unreasonable it's like no, what else not. are we gonna do everyone's just like the world is changing I don't like my parents very much. <laughs> exactly, well, exactly, you know, I mean, it's a real cocktail. I mean, some, you know, like, I love my family. <laughs> but there's probably some, you know, people that don't have great family lives. And, yeah. You know, they're stressed out as fuck. You know what yeah. I mean? Because, you know, you're stuck in a house with <laughs> your, your parents, you know? Yeah. For some people, that's, you know, that's... That's horrible. You know? Most people our age, though, are still at a place where, you know, you, you're you ready to be living by yourself. So it's just yeah. generally agitating right. to be under someone else's roof. You know, I have a great relationship with both my parents, and it's still just yeah. kind of like... Yeah, absolutely. Nothing bad happens. I'm just kind of angry or, like, anxious <laughs> yeah. or just agitated yeah. all the time. It's just like, what am I pissed at? Yeah. It's like, am I really pissed off at where my shoes are? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Where are my fucking shoes? it's almost over it's almost Uh, over though so oh i wanted to ask you you about the midnight gospel that's what i wanted to ask you oh dude i totally want to talk to you about that that? no i didn't finish that i i I have watched three episodes of that do you want to explain what the midnight gospel is i would love to explain because i think we want to recommend this to our viewers this is one of this is the best new show I have seen recently, and I have seen quite a number of shows recently. Yeah. yeah. The Midnight Gospel is a project by Duncan Trussell, who is a comedian and podcaster, yeah. and Pendleton Ward, who is the creator of Adventure Time. Yeah. And what it it combines podcasts audio from from Duncan Trussell's podcast, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And combines it with animation by Pendleton Ward and probably his team, and also has written content around yeah, it. Right. And it's about a character, Clancy, who is played by Duncan Trussell, as he uh, goes into the simulations of worlds yeah. that are usually in apocalyptic situations. Yeah. And he goes and interviews people from it who are <laughs> yeah. the characters who are inspired by people, real people he's had on the podcast. To be on Clancy's space right. cast, which right. he projects through space. So called it's the Midnight Gospel. Called the Midnight Gospel. It's very formulaic, and you go yeah. through these things. But you know, if you know Duncan Trussell, it's yeah. very much like Duncan Trussell's yeah. personality right. in yeah. Pendleton Ward. Yeah. It's just very existential. Right. I love it. Yeah, I fucking it's super. Love it. I I think it's amazing. I think that it's. I love it for a lot of reasons. Like one, the animation is. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, that's something that you're kind of—that's something that you're kind of given, though. Like that—that that was something that you're obviously expecting yeah. with someone like the guy who created Adventure Time, which is one of the most revered animated shows of the past, you know, out of decade. Maybe all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, but what I love about it is I've never seen a show that looks like it's such an interesting concept of taking these conversations that you have on it would be like if we took some of our conversations that we've had yeah and, and almost formulated a plot and a story around our conversations around the dialogue that we have with one another and i find that so interesting i find that I so too. 
uh, it's so different and weird, <laughs> and it's really funny too. Like the show, yeah, it's hilarious. Pokes fun at the fact that because it's kind of sometimes it's hard to think like what's a conversation and what's not a conversation. Yeah, that's from the podcast because they weave the scripted stuff with the podcast yeah. conversation so well. It's immaculately and, blended together, and the code is so odd. And I can yeah. t- like totally see someone not being engaged with it, but it's it's a really weird tone because it kind of goes to like these absurd comedy, like visuals that are going on but in the midst of this they're having this really deep conversation about you know the afterlife or or psychedelics or something like that and it's it's really, i i think it's amazing yeah but i can totally see someone be like what am i watching you know like yeah it's so um, weird it's really weird but i i think it's super unique and if you like and if you like it if you like the first episode you will love the show like, it just gets better yeah they just get yeah. in the groove and it just gets more and more polished yeah uh i love also how it's almost it's really religious and not just in the yeah. sense i think duncan trussell is a religious person i think he's a christian but it's yeah. religious more in the sense of religiously meditating on yeah. being a better person it's it's very um psychedelic i mean it's yeah. very like he's very much a fucking trustful the way i knew, knew him was as a psychedelic adventurer um yes. where he he kind of um precisely is someone who partakes in psychedelics a lot and who you know reports back on his experiences and has conversations with people that are kind of in that vein of like you know and that it's super i love conversations like that uh, and you're so right it's more about it's not religious per se it's more like about the spirituality of becoming a better person yeah i know we talk about a lot um as just friends but yeah. i think i just love hearing more experienced people have those conversations and they're and they're smart people too that he that he has conversation. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about like the the technology blending, like uh, like combining podcasts and doing it? Like it's it's comes at a very strange time. You, you really yeah. good timing for this. Like, how do you feel about that? I mean, I think it's I think it's I think it's fascinating because like I because something like that has never happened. And yeah. Duncan Trussell, I think is I think. Whoever had the idea, because I'm going to say it was fucking trustful, but yeah. I don't know who like, had the idea to do something like this, but it's a genius idea because podcasting has become this giant thing, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's so many podcasts, there's so many insanely popular podcasts, um, and in this day and age, there's so much, like, room for conversation. Like, everybody's looking for, um, just people talking with one another. And, yeah. <laughs> like, just conversations, you know? Like, with that aren't restricted to, like, a 30-minute format, that aren't, you know, something like that. And through podcasts and stuff, we've gotten some of the most, like, interesting conversations, like, ever. Yeah. I think we're going to see a change in stuff like that. And I think we're going to, because I think, 
like the the era of like the late night talk show, you know, where mm-hmm. people come. I think with this era of podcasting now and stuff, I think it is so contrived and just so like incredibly stupid. I don't think like young people like you and I are tuning in the fucking the Tonight Show anymore. I really right. I don't think we are. Um, right. The only late night host that I regularly listen to and watch is Conan O'Brien. And right. Conan has a podcast, and it's right. a really good podcast. And he recognizes that there is a, like, people don't just want to hear these five-minute conversations with people, like these celebrities that are usually pretty interesting people, obviously. Um, they have interesting lives, and he interviews just comedians and stuff like that, and I think he realizes, like, you, know, you can't get who a person is within five minutes. You want to have yeah. these long conversations. And I think Duncan Trussell saw like a like a way in where it was like, well, you know, dialogue is hard to write. I've had incredible conversations with people on their podcasts that would yeah. act as incredible dialogue, and they wrote this really creative and strange show kind of around these, like, I kept, every time I watch it, I'm like, man, this is incredible dialogue. It makes you think sometimes, where you're like, man, if you, like, just take dialogue from real-life conversations, sometimes it's better than, you know, sitting down and writing your own dialogue. Absolutely. So and it's really interesting. I think, I think that what he's trying, Duncan Trussell's trying to do is he's really trying to make something really poignant and emotional. Yeah. And that really can connect with people. Totally. And I think he's doing a really good job of blending all these mediums together to cre- create this more cohesive piece right. that's, that has, that is emotional to other people. And I think that key thing here is, is him, this is like a forefront. It, it's, it is, it's, it's a achievement in, multimedium art yeah but it's also achievement in bringing podcasting to a more high art i guess or more popularity yeah and i think that that's a really pertinent thing is about how important podcasts are because recently i have had a chance to really become more of a podcast consumer because while i was at school and for most of my life, I, I really didn't listen to much podcasts. And right. I, I've gotten into it more from doing this podcast with you. So I've really made a podcast and have been making it and not really liked podcasts that, that much. Right. But recently, I have gotten more into it. And I've noticed a strange thing, especially, specifically, I noticed this with um, Two Man, two Bears, One Cave. Uh-huh. And I know, had this experience where I've been listening to Two Bears, One Cave, which is a podcast with uh, comedian Tom Shagura and Burt Kreischer. Two of my favorite comedians. Hilarious. Yeah, mine too. I think they're some of the funniest people in this world. And I then watched their specials. And yeah. then I had this strange emotional reaction yeah. where it's just yeah. like, that's my friend Tom right. doing that special. It's absolutely. Yeah. And that's right. the thing that happens. That's really one of the incredible things about the podcast, right. which, you know, maybe it, it's it's a new thing with our generation because we're not so fearful of the Internet and uh-huh. we're not so afraid of being personal right. online. Yeah. But it really has this effect where 
you you feel for some reason like when you candid conversation it's not really that big of a mystery just being in a candid conversation even when you're just listening you you get those like that human connection yeah yeah and i think I, I think you're absolutely right i think like i think yeah and i think podcasters you're able to like i was kind of saying that too like you really get to know somebody like absolutely you, you almost, because they, there's, there's no editing it's all it's literally just them yeah know, just unfiltered who they are as people and like yeah. there, i'm like there's the people that I listen to on um, podcasts or guests where I'm not really like their stuff. Yeah. And then I listen to a podcast like, oh wow, like who's actually a cool guy who's a real human being, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that's what I like about kind of Joe Rogan sometimes because he'll bring people that he disagrees with and he'll bring people Talk that have these genuine conversations. And I think that is something that is incredibly needed especially in our in the age of the internet where you can easily if you see an opinion that you don't like you can literally just be like fuck you immediately without yeah. knowing their life without knowing where they're coming from you know it's like i think it's good to have those types of conversations in this world of fake news <laughs> or you know the media where they yeah. just kind of you know they can manipulate a, a piece of information any way that they possibly can. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because in one way we're at a point in history where we have we have more access to learning, more access to all kinds and ranges of information than we ever had before. Yeah. So you would think that that is the all ultimate way of being able to come to come to the truth and understand mm -hmm. things in an honest yeah. and authentic, really true fashion. Right. But there's also, which I think ultimately is more true, it's like it's better to have too much information to siphon through to be able to figure out and be informed than it is to not have any information and just make it up. Yeah. But we also have the problem with that of all this information is totally biased because there's a person behind that information. Uh -huh. And so you're getting this en masse where it's like, Sure, we might have enough information to make it that we we have all the information we need to find out what the truth is about things, whatever that might be. But then because we have so much information about it, it just means that it's like, well, nothing can be true. You know, you can't <laughs> yeah. say anything online because you'll get attacked for it. Someone's right. going to be offended about it or right. you, there's going to be someone who's already done it or someone who's better than you on the Internet. Yeah. You know, totally. there's, it's like it's like you have. It's like the whole world has been done before when you, when <laughs> yeah, you look at it, yeah. and there's no there's no room for you as a person. Yeah. You just kind of got to get absorbed into the big energy entity right. of the internet. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see if like something like the Good Light Gospel or something like that is going to spark new. Me too. Things like that because. I just, because, it, like we said, it's so seamless. Like, if you, if you told me that it was scripted, I would believe you. But yeah. I would also be like, they just, when you get two smart people that know what they're talking about in a room, and just have a conversation, you know, that is, because when you're a script writer, <laughs> and when you're writing a script and dialogue between two people, what you want to do is get to the truth. What you want to do is you want to get to, like, 
a point to whatever you're trying yeah. to invoke. But with the conversation, it just happens naturally. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you're basically, you're trying to replicate real-life conversation. Yeah. But make it engaging. And that's, Dude. I think, what podcasts can do. Dude. Yeah, you make a great point, and I think that that can lead me to a really great segue about the film that we want to talk about. Yeah. Because I think that it's a really true thing that when you try to make maybe more of a scripted piece or you're, tr you're trying to make something that has an impact on people, you're trying to create a successful piece of art or something, right. you're trying to create something that has some sort of meaning towards people. And a lot of times you find failure when you try to go about it that way. And uh -huh. I think something that we see about with really successful or cool things like the Midnight Gospel is we see people who are not necessarily trying to be successful or create something with a huge amount of meaning, but just be authentic to themselves. Exactly, yeah. And that is becomes meaningful to us yeah, because right. because then because it's something new yeah and it's like this is true because yeah. i see it in you and right. i can tell that it's you and i can trust that yeah. and another person who might be one of the most iconic person <laughs> right now who has been around for the longest who has been yeah. living and creating things authentically to himself <laughs> without exception yeah. is david lynch david lynch and uh before we get into the film that we're going to discuss uh this week, I want to apologize that <laughs> on the last episode, we said that we were going to watch Wild at Heart, which is another David Lynch film that both of us haven't seen. Yeah. Um, I didn't do my research <laughs> before I picked it. <laughs> it's, it's hard to find. It's, it's nearly impossible to find online, a la God of the Dead. There's some of these movies out there that are weird rights issues and yeah they're not you just can't find them and wild at yeah. heart is one of them and i did not know that so um we're gonna do wild at heart at some point um, yeah we, but we ordered blu-rays we ordered yeah we ordered blu-rays david dace david dace <laughs> um <laughs> and so but so when we found out that it wasn't available uh we we panicked and <laughs> we thought what are we gonna do I was like, all right, well, there's another David Lynch movie that I haven't seen. And at the time, I didn't know if Jesse had seen it, but and it's called Lost Highway. Um, and this is a movie that I've been wanting to watch for, you know, years. Because I, I, I think it's, it's good to preface this review and this analysis of this film to say that we are both major fans of David Lynch. Huge Lynch worshippers. And we love, we love the, the guy for what he stands for. Uh, we love his movies. We love him as a personality. We love him as <laughs> just, we just, we love everything about David Lynch. And, uh, and if you guys know anything about David Lynch, he's a surreal filmmaker. He makes very odd films. <laughs> his films include Eraserhead, um, the Elephant Man, Blue Velvet, The Holland Drive, who's a who's the creator of Twin Peaks, um, and you know, you're either gonna you're either gonna love his movies or you're not gonna like them at all. And yeah. so I think it, it's it's good to preface that we are both huge fans of his work that we have seen so far. 
you know, yeah. uh, Blue Velvet and Eraserhead kind of changed my life when I saw them. They were unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and Blue Velvet, The Hall of Drive is easily one of my favorite movies. Um, and so, um, so I was so excited to watch a, a new Game of Woods experience that I, that I haven't seen. And this film is called Lost Highway. Fascinating title. Uh, I, I went into the movie not knowing anything about it. And I think that's the best way. If you, if you do want to watch this movie and you uh, are a Game of Woods fan already, I suggest you don't look at anything. Just don't, yeah. just don't read what this movie's about. Just sit down and watch it. Because I think a lot of his movies, I think you should watch every movie that way. Yeah. But uh, some movies it's really hard you get more out of it when you do that. This totally. is a movie you I get more so. out of it yeah, doing absolutely. that. Uh, so I don't know what the plot was. All I knew was Bill Pullman and Patricia Arquette are in it. That's, that's literally all I knew. And that's from the poster because I know those two actors <laughs> and I know what they look like. Yeah. So I just didn't, I don't know anything about it. And um, I... You know, this, a Lynch movie is really hard to also review because, especially when you do it the first time. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I, was thinking, I, I saw this movie last night and I've been thinking about it all day and I have some thoughts on it. Uh, and, um, and I, think, I think it's also interesting to know when this movie came out as well in terms of his career. Yeah. This movie came out in 1997, and this was right. This was the film he made after his most uh, controversial and his most uh, polarizing film, Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. Interesting. Um, which I have not seen. I have not. I'm, I'm going to watch Twin Peaks. I will. I've seen parts of Twin Peaks. I haven't watched the whole thing. I really want to binge it. I will. This quarantine, I have a lot of shit that my friends keep telling me to watch. The Clone Wars, Twin Peaks, all these fucking things. And I will get to them at some point. TV is so hard for me. I, it is it's hard. It's so hard for me to binge a TV show. I just, but I will. I will. But fear not, at some fear point. not. If you're a huge Twin Peaks fan and you're listening to this, don't worry, I'm right there with you, yeah, buddy. Jesse's a, a huge Twin Peaks fan. So he's I've watched Peaks, all of it. Yeah, he's the Twin Peaks enthusiast in this duo. I don't know much about it. Um, so I haven't seen the film. I, but Firewalk with Me was famously horribly reviewed. Like, garbagely reviewed. And, but, like most David Lynch films, have garnered a insane cult following is and Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me is actually considered by a lot of David Lynch fans one of their favorite films. Yeah. Uh, because of just I, I, I mean we will probably speak more on it, but um, so anyway, this film is his follow up to his disastrous. After his, yeah, after his Twin Peaks portion of his career until. <laughs> You know, it came back, you know, years and years, like 20 years later after Lost Highway came out. Did but, this happen? Does this happen after Dune as well? Yes, Dune came out in like 84 or something. Like okay, was, yeah. 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 So this is like, so this is actually one of the last films he made. Um, so he, oh, he yeah. 
So he did Lost Highway, then he did uh, his, in my opinion, his Gagalopus, um, The Holland Drive, and then he went on to, and then he did <laughs> Inland Empire, and then he did the Twin Peaks uh, Resurrection. Return series. Yeah, yeah. Return series. So that's where this movie kind of falls. The history of Lynch. The history of his filmography. And what did you think of Lost Highway? Oh, dude, I, I came into this movie with, uh, I didn't know anything about it. I had yeah. no idea about it too, but I came in with low expectations because I, I don't know where I've heard this, but I had it in my head that this was a not very good Lynch movie, you know, like dismissible, uh, kind of interesting, but just, you know, sure. not, not much, yeah. not much to really talk, tell yeah. him about. I think this film is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. This film, it, it, yeah. it, it just, it, it's... I think, it, I think the reason why I think people have said that, I, I, I think this is one of his most abstract films. It's when very abstract. Yeah. yeah. So I think for a lot of people, I think, because I, I looked at the reviews when this movie came out, and it was not well-reviewed. It was, no. It was very, and, which is not common for a Lynch movie. I mean... Yeah. Blue Velvet was, I mean, held as a masterpiece when it came out. And, yeah. You know, I mean, people, it's not like critics just don't get, you know what I mean? But I yeah. think this movie was so. You want, okay, so let's describe what this movie is about. Yeah, the, <laughs> the story of this movie. I was trying to tell my dad that I couldn't do it. So, um, it's it's you hard. Do you mean to do it? Yeah. This movie has a. It has a. It has a very simple plot in terms of yeah. just the things that happen. Right. But the emotions <laughs> right. and the journey that yeah. you go through is so convoluted, it's difficult to describe with words. Yeah. What happens in this movie is it's that... It's also open to interpretation what, right. what happens in this movie. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not really clear to say what happens, right. which is, I think, one of the reasons why this is such a frustrating film Yeah. Um, to a lot of people. Yeah. But the basic idea is that we we have uh, we have a s two sets of lovers, where the woman yeah. is played by the same actors For and sure, may or may okay. not be the same person. Yes. We have Fred and Renee, and we have Pete and Alice. Yes. Fred and Renee open the movie, and yeah. they are um, being preyed upon by some person who is sending them videotapes of their house. And yeah. then we transition to a point with Pete. Halfway, like halfway through the movie, like hour yeah. into the film. We switch our main characters where some literally, um, literally they switch places. And, yeah. uh, which or, two, or like trans, or transform into another person. Right, yeah. right. And <laughs> then we are, and it's, but it's, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's literally where in space, like it's where we we're following Fred, and then yeah, Pete takes Coleman. the space of Fred, a completely different actor. Yeah. This this character named Pete takes on the space of Fred, and we follow him. Yeah. And then he meets Alice, which looks like Renee, who was Fred's wife. Yeah. Uh, but she is blonde, and she's a bombshell. All the she's everybody, porn, porn everyone star. thinks she's. A porn star, yeah, yeah. and um, so he falls for Alice, yes. and they get caught into a film noir plot. 
And then as that plot kind of unfolds, uh, a climax happens where they have to essentially deal with the murder and, and Pete tries to escape with yeah. Alice. And then Pete switches back into Fred. Yeah. And the film ends ambiguously. Yeah. This is this is basically <laughs> yeah. basically this is this is a, a film noir murder romance story. Yeah. At the same time, it's not that at all. And yeah. at the same time, it's a million other things. Yes. Um. Okay. So. Oh my god. I don't know like where to begin. Um. So. I think it's interesting also to note that in the beginning of the film, the fir- the first scene in the movie. Is Fred, who's a jazz, who's, who's a jazz saxophonist. Yeah. Who who wakes who wakes up and walks over to his inner tongue and you hear Dick lament or lament. Yeah. Is dead. And he looks out the window and there's no one there. There's there's no one at his door. No cars to be seen. Nowhere. So this confuses Fred. And, and the viewer. <laughs> and the viewer. <laughs> and. So basically, I, I kind of see this. I mean, there's so many different ways that you could like interpret this movie and like what this movie kind of means. Because towards the end of the film, like what you described is like Fred. To me, there's a moment where that was almost clear to me where Fred literally is like he transforms into another. Like in the peak, yeah, and we almost see his revenge fantasy in a, in a way, yeah, uh, because the, they're and even that part of the movie is ambiguous. Like even the part where, because in the beginning, the first half of the movie, you're kind of led to believe that Renee is maybe sleeping with somebody else, and yeah. that Fred is jealous, and that he is um, going insane and going yeah. crazy but the thing is the film gives us so much like little bits of information yeah and we kind of have to piece it together ourselves or you just i don't know i i don't know really where to start with this movie i have a yeah. lot of notes but i think um i think an easy way to think about it is to break but it I up loved into it, sections yeah <laughs> i thought it was incredible yeah, just, it's really hard to describe, especially a Lynch movie where a lot of the, some more than others, but some of his, a lot of his films are open to interpretation. They're open to uh, themes of the film that you can even interpret, like put on what you think the film is about, or what Eraserhead yeah. being the biggest example of that. Yeah, um, like people, you know, for decades since that film came out, nineteen seventy seven, they are still talking about what the basis for that film was. What is the, <laughs> what is this film about? What is this, you know? Yeah, um, and that's kind of part of the Lynch experience. I think I think that the thing that also makes this complicated is to to go on what you're saying is it's true you have to kind of take an interpretation on this similarly to how with literatures there's certain readings or perspective that yeah. you can take on a book right so you can take like for example you could take that Pete is just Fred's imagining and he's not actually a right. real person and it's happening in Fred's imagination absolutely yeah you could also say 
that 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 they are both real people and they are literally switching bodies. Yeah, you know, right. you could also say that there's some coincidence. But there's an image in the film that leads you to believe that. So like yeah. when when Fred is put in prison for murdering his yeah murdering Renee, uh, we think yeah, you know, <laughs> and, uh, there's a scene where like. He's getting these headaches. He's getting yeah. these horrible headaches. And he literally gets this... He gets this vision at the end of the film of the cabin on fire. Yeah. And then he literally, like, thunder almost, like, hits the... He looks up and this blue light kind of shines on him. And, we're, and then we're sent to Pete. Pete's yeah. through the lost highway and he stops in front of... <laughs> Pete and the shadows, and you kind yeah. of be like, okay, <laughs> did they, did they just, like, did Frank just transfer his, like, his consciousness to another body? Like, what yeah. just happened there? Yeah. You know? um, and I, and it's, it's, it, the, 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 there's like one of those things where you see that happen, and it's hard to even say what just happened to re-describe right. that. Um, mm -hmm. So that and so that's that's one of those points where I think that you you can take an interpretation on it. Totally. But there's also these through lines. The difference between a racer head in this movie, like a racer head, is much more abstract in this movie. Yeah. Um, sure. Because in the sense that uh, a lot of it is more of uh, it's I, I'm gonna say disconnected imagery, but everything's connected in Radiohead. But uh, with Lost Highway, it's a very, very tight-linked narrative. Mm -hmm. Like this, especially the second half of the film, especially Pete's narrative is yeah. very much like you know it, it's it's followable. Yeah. Franz is like very like more abstract than the, than the second half of the yeah. film. I think that this movie actually comes together like as tight as many other film noirs do, basically mm -hmm. in how it's setting up plot points and all these yeah. things. The things that it doesn't answer is it doesn't answer are Pete and Fred different people and right. why are they able to switch places? Are Renee and Alice different people? And why are, are they, they able switch? to switch places? Right. And um, who the fuck is the mystery man? Yeah. And the mystery yeah. man is a character who is the character who's getting video, sending videotapes right. of basically him invading the house. Yeah. And uh, he's sending it to Renee and Fred's house, which is really freaking them out. But who's the through line between both of the uh, yeah. narratives? Because who's also tormented uh, Pete in a, yes. a Yes. And... Um, so it doesn't answer the questions, but basically what the story that does seem to be happening is that there's a story where Fred, the character, is has gone to jail for murder. Yeah. He seems to have murdered his wife, who's Renee. Who in his seen a videotape. We've seen a videotape. We've seen a videotape, which the mystery man has sent him. Yeah. It seems that Fred has then gone to, has gone to prison and switched places with Pete through yeah. some kind of psychic connection yeah. or... You know what? I won't even say some kind of psychic connection. <laughs> That's up to your interpretation yeah, of what yeah, happens right, here. Right. What happens is that P Fred is in the jail cell, and then one night, Pete wakes up in the jail cell the next morning. Yeah, yeah. Pete goes home to his family and lives his life, yeah. and they all saw the, the night that he switched places with Fred that weird shit happens, and he meets Renee. Not Renee, Alice, who looks like Renee. Yeah. 
He also meets another guy. Identical. They're doppelgangers. Yeah. Oh, also, also, um, Mystery Man uh, is said to be the friend of Dick Lamont or Mr. Eddie, and he uh, he meets uh, Fred at a party, which is held by I can't remember this character's name. He has a pencil mustache and he's a porn star director. He's the guy that Fred suspects his wife is having an affair with Renee. Right. And so, okay, so back to Pete. After we've transitioned to Pete, Pete meets Mr. Eddie, who uh, is who likes uh, Mr. Eddie likes Pete, and Alice is Mr. Eddie's girlfriend. Mistress. Mistress. Mr. Eddie is not a very good guy. Um, And as these things develop, first of all. Amazing performance. Amazing. By, yeah, he's awesome. They're, he's kind of who's the, my favorite who's the, scene of the movie is when he suspects that Pete is uh, sleeping with Alice. He walks up to him with a with a smile and is like, you know, if I find if I find something out, I'm gonna send this uh, gun up your ass and then. And he's like, and then he goes, what are you going to do with that? He's like, I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. Yeah. <laughs> There's really good lines in this movie. Really the good best lines. One is, uh, <laughs> the best one of all time. I had to pause it and I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Is when Mr. Eddie's henchmen uh, are spying on Pete. Oh, yeah. And he, Pete, Pete also has Sula, who's a, who's, a, who's a girlfriend. Yeah. And he... And there's also this weird, this movie is super sexual. Yeah. There's a lot of um, sex themes in this movie. Like, I kind of, one of the themes of this film to me was sex addiction. And, Absolutely. And possibly, uh, and possibly the dangers of pornography um, that you can kind of pull from this. Interesting. Um, but, um, so he's, he's, he's having sex with Sheila at a motel, and the guys are watching, and he's like, man, this guy gets more pussy than a toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, that's... What a great line. Yeah, yeah <laughs> anyway. there's a lot... And that's a very... That's like a very, like, detective film noir yeah. You know, modernization of, of film noir mm-hmm. banter kind of talk. Yeah. Um Anyways, so this that transitions well because then we're at the point where uh, basically Pete starts fucking these two girls every day, yeah. where he's either fucking Alice or Sheila. And then when he's not, he's almost getting these like headaches. He's getting these. Uh, to me, it's like I don't know, man. It's so because what's so crazy about this movie is that if you interpret Frank and Pete being the same person, which yeah. Frankly, I do. That takes you down so many different rabbit holes. I know. So many different. Oh, okay. Like this kind of connects, but and then if you don't do that and you interpret it a different way, there's so many different, you know. I know examples that you can give for that. This has like it just has so many directions that you can take it. It's hard to keep track of it. I think there. I think there is one extremely important scene in this movie that kind of helps me kind of formulate my own thing of like what this movie is. And that is in the beginning when uh, Renee gets spooked by the videotapes and they call the FBI and um, I have it right here, but he calls the FBI 
and they come and they're like, so you, you know, you better lock your doors and all that. And he's like, do you remember, you know, yeah, he, the, the, the FBI is in this, do you own a video camera? <laughs> Renee's like, no, I don't. Fred, you know, he doesn't like them. Yeah. And then Fred is like, I like to remember things my own way. Yeah. And Ed goes, what do you mean by that? How I remember them. Not necessarily the way that they happen. Yeah. And to me, that is an extremely important part of this movie because they're, they're you're very much confused. Like, you're led to believe that, like, what you're seeing is almost friends' memories of what happened or, or, you know what I mean? So there, that's Absolutely. one way that you can kind of look at this movie. And the thing is that's really weird is the beginning of the movie has Fred hearing Diplomatus dead and the end of the film has right. Pete or, or Pete as Fred in, a, in Pete's clothes yeah. going up to his house and saying Diplomatus dead. Yeah, so let's so just like let's this, get to that let's get to that yeah. point in the plot synopsis so, and then we can talk about interpretations of mm-hmm. like how to engage with this. So once after after um Pete develops this relationship with Alice and gets in trouble with uh Mr. Eddie, he starts he has to figure him and Alice mystery, fig- <laughs> and the mystery man cuz he's working for Mr. Eddie too of course. He has to figure out a way to get out, which leads him back to the porn director who Fred yeah. thought Renee was having sex with yeah. and Alice is a porn star for this man right and so they pete ends up killing this man they take his stuff they go to a cabin where they meet the mystery man and then um then alice disappears pete turns back into fred yeah and fred then drives away away from the mystery man and says that to says goes back to the beginning where he buzzes in right uh, to to his own house and says Dick Lamont is dead, right. referring to Mr. Eddie. Oh yeah, because he kidnaps Mr. Eddie and he right. kills him. So then it goes full circle where he has told himself yeah. that Mr. Eddie, who's a guy that's of no importance to him, yeah. has died, and then he's on the open road and turns into a Cronenberg monster kind right. of. Right, who kind of is yeah. The last shot, of the last is just like what? Yeah, he's getting chased by the cops and he's like. Licking out and doing the lid, kind of reminded me of the bone machine cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's yeah. Like, like just a schizophrenic image of like three heads being superimposed. Yeah, superimposed. And um, I think this film is a, 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 just a genius example of how good David Lynch is at blending reality and the, and the, and the surreal together in a way yes. that. Is just riveting. It is yes. just absolutely riveting. And I'm not like the way that we're talking about this could maybe lead you to believe like, whoa, this is like this crazy abstract movie. It is, but it's presented in a way like it's a mystery film. Yeah. And the way that it presents information to you is so it's so smart and so specific that I, a normal audience member will be able to piece together what they think is going on. You just have to be willing to engage with this movie. Yes, Um, absolutely. And I think one of the ways, this will sound really cheesy, but I think the best, the way that you have to engage with Lynch 
and a lot of other this is a great way to talk about other movies that are um done by more weirder directors more surreal directors but especially with lynch you can't really watch lynch cerebrally you can't really well, watch it and think about the plot and think about the directories of actions you have to watch it with your heart you yeah. have to feel yeah. the movie right, and right. when because you can really this movie is very structured it yeah. has the emotional points it has a very similar structures to film noirs other yeah. thrillers and stuff yeah, like that totally. but it just doesn't <laughs> yeah. the what what happens doesn't make sense when you think about it right. you know and yeah. it will really frustrate you and be unpleasant if you try to think like what does it mean and you go and look and say well what does david lynch says it means and then he'll say it's like well i'm not going to tell you that and then you'll get more frustrated you just have to feel what the arcs of the character and the story is right and just let that process for a bit yeah and then kind of let these pieces come together because totally. they will they and will I, yeah absolutely and i think that that is part of this that is what game looks is wants you to do absolutely I mean, like he is not like i think there are some people who watch this movie like be like i don't want to do that fuck that and that is totally okay yeah but i think the wrong response to this is to have like to, to feel stupid you know what i mean you watch it and you're like oh man i didn't get anything what was going on and yeah. that is not like it's purposefully mysterious it's purposefully uh open to interpretation you know yeah and i don't think you should feel stupid i don't think you should feel confused if you're generally confused and you just don't know what's going on that's okay too yeah you know, this this is <laughs> uh bizarre you know uh it's like lynch trying to make a film noir you know, it's yeah. like a really bizarre uh film about kind of like to me it was jealousy about uh just a lot there's so many different themes that i got through this movie and that's yeah. just me personally and that's what makes this film so genius yeah. is that no matter where you are in life no matter who you are as a person I think almost each one of his films will hit you differently on whatever part you are, where you are in your life. Yeah. In a weird yeah. way. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I agree with that 110%. And I think a way that I've really, I've gravitated towards Lynch films just because I think I'm the personality, the pretentious personality, <laughs> the weird personality, whatever you want to call it, that just likes movies like this. Um, I'm a film nerd. I think that's the best way to describe it. I just yeah. like all kinds of weird, extreme movies. But the ways but that I like Spider-Man: Homecoming. Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know? you don't, yeah. It's not the only movie. It's not. It's my some of my favorite movies are like this. But all movies, I don't think all yeah. movies should be like this. Yeah. But uh, another way is that I have had a lot of um, satisfaction in how to watch Lynch films is learning how he makes them. Yeah. Uh, like learning where they come from because. He doesn't come. He doesn't approach it in the same way that most people do, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. write a script and write plan these people out and yeah. get this so we hit these points. He writes it where it's just like, so for example, this movie started. I, I, this might not be exactly accurate, but one of the starting moments about this is that the moment where that that buzzer where someone said Dick Lamont is dead, happened to David Lynch. That was a real thing that happened to him, which of course it would because he's David Lynch, where he yeah. went up to his buzzer, someone buzzed him in and yeah. said, Dick Lamont is dead. And David Lynch is a weird guy, 
but he's not he's not some he he seems like an alien based on the films that he makes but he's yeah. actually pretty normal he's just like yeah, really he's passionate a, he's a really good guy and he's really a weird dude, but he, I mean, he's a weird artist he's yeah a really good. yeah he's still yeah. yeah he's still a human being and the way that he makes films is just sort of building building it piece by yeah. piece so he had that piece and he then also he said wrote, he also happen? wrote this with another person that's another interesting thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not like it's not it's it someone else was able to understand this enough. It wasn't just in his own head to actually yeah. collaborate some ideas with him. Yeah. It's just a very it's a process where it's sort of like um, not really worrying about where it's going and just building it and then shaping it and then building it and shaping it, which is why it feels so improvised, but yeah. also so polished I because that's, that's what it the, is. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I love his movies is because they feel because he, yeah, I think he, I think reading a lot about him and, you know, watching interviews and he's very, he makes his movies extremely in the moment. Like, there was a, I saw an interview about this movie that he did, like, years later. Uh-huh. Probably for, like, a Blu-ray or something. And, like, he had trouble remembering why he did certain things. Oh, was that the one where he starts like this is gonna be a strange interview yeah. because I don't that cracked yeah. me up. Oh my god, that cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at a picture of Jesse. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Did your sister just give you a margarita? Mm-hmm. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yeah. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Um. Oh, what was I saying? That's one of the reasons why oh, you like the, Lynch so much. The interview. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the, that's what it was. Yeah, the, yeah. It was just like, because he doesn't, he, because usually, when you, like, when you prep a movie. Yeah. And write a script, you know a lot about it. You know everything. You know inside and out of what, why this is there, why this character's here. And when he was asked that, he couldn't even, he was like, I don't know. Yeah. He literally couldn't answer the questions. Yeah. He was literally like, yeah, like, me and Mary got in the room, and we had ideas, and like, that's how it happened. Yeah. I was just like, what? So, yeah. like, but it's also weird, because he doesn't like to talk about his movies, period. Um, but... I think that interview really goes to show, like, he kind of makes these films, like, off of feeling. He makes them, like, what he feels like in that moment, yeah. what he thinks is right for the characters, and he's not really so much interested in building this narrative that all things tie together and all things, you know. Um, and I think that's what makes his film so unique. Yeah. And why no one fucking makes a movie like David Lynch. No one in the world. No one has even gotten close to what his films are like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of people that are inspired by David Lynch. Yeah. But no one's been able to no one's actually David Lynch. make a movie like him. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because I went on the... Every time I watch a David Lynch movie, I go down the rabbit hole of, like, who is this man? And yeah. uh, it's really interesting to watch footage of him in interviews versus him on set when it becomes glaringly obvious that he's the kind of person 
that uh, when he creates a piece of art, once he makes it, it's like dead to him it's after dead. that. Yeah, right. It's dead. Yeah. And for him, it's all about the journey, the living, the motion of where yeah. where this adventure is going to take you. Right. And then um, and then going on to the next thing. Yeah. Because in interviews, he's he's fucking dead. He's dead and passionless, yeah. and he seems like a robot. And it's just like, how can a man like create this imaginative imaginative piece? But when he's on set, he transforms into yeah. this bubbly, emotional, like 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 personal human being who just right. like flourishes. And yeah. it's 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 really really interesting to just see that like one of the reasons why he's so effective in that is that um he is authentic to a fault where he right. won't function or seem like a human being when he's not doing something that's in the moment and speaking to him yeah right right I mean, and i think like there's yeah i mean that's i think that's what's so interesting about this movie in particular because there, like, it's almost like he had the idea of making a movie about a, a man who, who finds out that his wife cheated on him. Yeah. And the man, and he goes on a revenge plot of finding out who the man was. Yeah. And with that, he created this film where there's almost two sides of a person. You know, the Pete side, who's this bad boy kind of kind of image. Uh, this violent, this sex-infused man. And this, like, other side. And, like, almost selling us, like, these two narratives of, like... Of, like, Frank wanting to... Like, how he would... How he would kill the person that he uh, finds out that sleeps with his wife. But yeah. we also see the same narrative. We see each... Like, say there's one character, Frank. Right, right. And we see each scenario that hap like, like, killing his wife out of rage. Right. That's why he goes to jail. And then after that, we see this other thing where he meets a, a lady just like Renee. Right. That, and that whole, the same thing happens where he thinks that he's, he's sleeping with, you know, it's, there's all, it's so fucking weird. Like, it's, yeah. it's so out of the ordinary and so, the spell has no, uh, it has so much balls that it won't even, it's just, it's just, it doesn't care about traditional narrative. Yeah. And as someone, as people who watch Hollywood after Hollywood movie in the theaters every year, it's a refreshing to go see something like watch something like this. Yeah. That is totally out of the norm of like yeah. what a traditional Hollywood movie is. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I think that that is a fantastic analysis where I think what you just said really sums up the film really simply, where it's like you can have a really easy time with this film if you just pretend that Pete and Fred are the same person, which yeah. in a lot of ways this could really easily be that Fred is just, uh, you know, 
a different characters characterizations of a different part of Fred's or Pete I is mean, a Fred's personality. I mean, there's something so interesting that happens when he's in the jail cell. I yeah. mean, you could make the assumption that Frank, when he starts imagining, he's still in the jail cell. Yeah. And we are seeing his revenge fantasy of killing yeah. the, the man who slept with his wife in the first place. Yeah, you or, totally yeah, you know, or like maybe this whole fact, the fact of him being in jail is actually from him killing Mr. Eddie. And he never killed his wife. Exactly. So there's stuff like that along those lines where it's just like, what is the reality and what is the dream? Which is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. So it's like you don't, I mean, like, you don't I know mean, what I, the story is. And Blue Velvet. I mean, there's, there's, this movie to me was kind of a combination, if we're talking about Lynch, was kind of a combination of Blue Velvet and, like, and Twin Peaks almost. Yeah. Because uh, it had the noir stuff in Quinn Peaks, but it also had the... Uh, what I've seen from Quinn Peaks, which is like yeah. five episodes. But it then, like, had the... Had the weird, abstract, surreal nature of, of, of a blue velvet. Or yeah. of a... Of a um, Mahal? Mahal Drive. Yeah. Mahal Drive was another, like, super... Uh, eye-popping thing to me, too, because... He made the hologram after this movie, and that movie insanely brilliantly combines the surreal with the with the realism. Yeah, and that and, and the hologram is more clear. It's more yeah. like this is what's happening. You know, this is, yeah. I don't want to spoil the hologram for anybody, but um, it's definitely more clear in that film. <laughs> this yeah. film is like. Here's some here's some scenes. Here's some characters. Yeah. Go here's nuts. a here's a plot. <laughs> Interpret that. Yeah. And then there I think there's a really interesting moment when Pete, when the detectives go to the porn star's house and they look at the picture that yeah. originally had Both of Renee them. and Alice and then now it just has Renee, Renee on it. Yeah. And you're like, Okay, what is going on? Like he's purposefully doing this to you he's yeah. like he's he's almost putting you in the mind of frank the character yeah because if we're if we are interpreting this movie as frank's almost fantasy or his you know lustful revenge fantasy then he's doing the same thing because frank has this even at the beginning of the movie has this uh like lacks of reality, just loses reality for a second. Right. Like with right. the mystery, like with the mystery man, which, right. he, which, for my money, the first scene with the mystery man is one of the most scary scenes in a film that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And I don't know why I was surprised by that, because David Lynch is he makes nightmares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, this film is a lot of ways a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and that scene just. I mean. Yeah. Whoever I think... played the, 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 the mystery man. I don't want to look at him anymore. He scares the shit out of me. I think that. No eyebrows. Yeah. Before. Bald, bald <laughs> eyes popping out of his head. <laughs> yeah. He's really. Tasty as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Before this movie. Um, uh, 
Fire Walk With Me was the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. But the four, first 45 minutes of this movie, <laughs> uh -huh. I think, has scared the shit out of me more than anything I have ever seen in my life. I think this film, I think the first 45 minutes of this movie, I think what makes this film so scary, and Eraserhead, I mean, Eraserhead fucked me up for a little bit too, that was, Yeah, know. very disturbing. And if I see the shot of the, of the alien baby from Eraserhead, I, I get... I get Vietnam flashbacks. Like, I oh. know, yeah. Like, it's so, oh, God. But, but I think what I was going to say is it's the mystery. It's the, it's the unknown. It's yeah. the, it's this, he understands horror to such a crazy degree where he understands what scares people. And uh, I think that's why yeah. people have such a reaction to his films because he never reveals what the, What's scaring you? Like you don't really know why they're so Yeah. <laughs> it's like and that it makes it incredibly abject, which is what scares me so much. Because what he does is he takes these very normal fears of like fear of the dark and doesn't say, yeah. What if it was the boogeyman? It says, What if that feeling that you have was actually an embodied horror that you didn't know exactly what it was, but it could hurt you and your entire existence? And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? I mean, one of the best scenes of the movie, before, you know, he, literally the scene before he basically, Fred, supposedly kills his wife or whatever happens. Yeah. Is when he's walking down the hallway and just the, the, the dark hallway and he's just like, because he's suspecting someone's in his house. Because yeah. of the video tapes that he's been getting. And that scene was just like, I had to like pause it because it was just like. I sent you a snap of that scene because I was yeah. so scared. That's when I deleted all my notes <laughs> during that scene. I was taking oh, yeah. all these notes. How did that happen? Did you... It was during you... that scene. I was during that scene and I was taking all those notes and I paused it. And I was like, my hands were like kind of shaky. And I was like, this movie's scaring the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I, I, I just deleted all my notes. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Well, do you want to hear my whack-ass fan interpretation of this I film? do want to hear it. So, um... Alright, I'll just cut straight to the chase. I think that this film is in the same universe as Twin Peaks. And I think uh -huh. that this film is really interesting. It comes between Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive. Because yeah. I think that this is the perfect combination of Twin Peaks yeah. and Mulholland Drive. Uh -huh. It yeah. totally makes sense this comes in between because this takes the elements of the world of Twin Peaks yeah. and moves it into the story because it's the same story, almost. It's like the same idea as Mulholland, Mulholland Drive, Drive. Oh, you know? Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, it, they're completely I mean, different films. Mulholland they're, Drive is definitely more blatant about, like, this is a movie about Right. Dual personalities almost. Right. Right. And I think that that, and that's, that's what distinguishes it. But it's yeah. so obviously, like, to me, it's just like, it's like that moving point where it's just like, I'm moving from the Twin Peaks world and I'm getting ready to explode into Mulholland yeah. Drive. 
-hmm. that's this is like the perfect transition movie i think that that is the if if i wanted to not be crazy i would just stop right there this is the transition movie and it's worked (laughs) but i'm gonna go crazy (laughs) because um i think that this movie based on you know uh i think based on my belief that this is in the same universe as twin peaks you could also say that maybe all his movies are in a way this is already true because it's the same director but this is in like a lynch universe yeah you know where all these characters things are happening in tandem which this is that is true because they're all movies made by lynch but i think especially like lost highway uh fire walk with me the twin Peaks series and maybe mulholland drive because of the doppelganger stuff might all be existing on the same weird earth like the same (laughs) weird lynch earth earth, where they're because (laughs) but specifically i'll get into why i think I think there's more an obvious connection between Lost Highway and Twin Peaks for me. One of the reasons is that the soundtrack is done by the same composer as Twin yeah, Peaks, yeah. Uh, Angelo uh, Badalamenti. So yeah. already the which sound great is such a soundtrack. great it's it's sound is such yeah. a huge part of of Lynch's film, yeah. where that's really where you get a feel for the world. So yeah. when it's the same composer, the world sure. feels the same. That's one thing. So that's one thing not to say that that's an intentional connection of the things, but that's also why it might feel like Twin Peaks and why it did for me. Yeah. Also, I think the ant- one of the reasons how I interpreted the Mystery Man was the similar kind of demon as the one in Twin Peaks. Where in Twin Peaks, there's this demon called Bob who basically uh, possesses people. Wow. And he... Uh, yeah. The, he possesses people and he... Um, you know, makes them do horrible things. Yeah. So I think that this is like a uh, mystery man to me was like a similar spirit from in the Twin Peaks Lords from <laughs> sure. the White Lodge, <laughs> yeah. or wh- from the Black Lodge actually, who's okay. coming from the Black Lodge and communicating to them. Another specific thing is that in Fred's apartment there is a red drape, that is exactly yeah. like the red drape, yeah. and there it is significant yeah. screen time where this red drape is seen, especially when. Um, Fred is being yeah. manipulated by the by the mystery man, yeah, which makes bit. me which the, the red iconic red curtain is huge in Twin Peaks because yeah. it's the red room. Right. So anybody everybody knows that about Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. those those are two like specific things. And then the other thing is that in the return, there's this additional learning of doppelgangers, which makes sense because Lynch is obsessed with doppelgangers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so this idea of the switching of these things is something that is familiar and is capable if we're talking about like the nerdy capabilities, like the Jedi powers of the Mestry Man's kind of uh, Twin Peaky and Black Lodge de- demons. This is something that they're capable of doing. And also this kind of murder that is able to happen, that this kind of murder that ensues with Fred, kind of these crimes of passion and hurting people he loves and going on these rampages that aren't very logical and having these abilities such as when he kills uh, Mr. Eddie, he just magically creates a knife in his hand, you know? Where, 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 Mister, where the mystery man supposedly hands it to him, but if we right. assume the mystery man's not really there, I know, that was one of the questions I had. Yeah. I was like, what? How do we get that knife? So, so like, but again, so that's kind of my abstract thinking. Where I really, yeah. it was just an that's an it's an extension of the movie for me. I don't think that that totally. is necessary for the interpretation. Those are just things I see. Yeah. I think the answer to those things is that he just came off of making Twin Peaks. 
and he yeah. was just about to make Mulholland Drive. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. And the themes yeah. overlap. Yeah. It, there, there's really not many big brain things well, to me. Like, but... You could like, go deeper with that. <laughs> I yeah. think like, even like, throughout his films, I think there's even Blue Golden, I think there are... I think there are thematic things in all his films. Like Absolutely. All their... Such as monkeys. <laughs> but uh, in Blue Velvet, you know, Dennis Hopper's character could very much be interpreted as like a demon type yeah. character. You know, like his films, like, what I love about his movies is while they're all very different, they all have these stylistic, you know, similarities and these uh, thematic similarities between them. Yeah. And, like, I think that's what makes his filmography so cool, is, like, yeah. you would see... You're already, like, piecing, like, stylistic stuff, you're piecing, like, even little stuff, like the Red Curtain and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, you probably didn't need to do that. You might have been just a nod to Twin Peaks. Yeah. Know? He's like, he's like, hey, like... The red curtain's cool. Like, let's just put the red curtain in his, you know, apartment. Also, you like, know? red, you know, red is a color that symbolizes murder. You know, yeah. it's the color of blood. Curtains right. are, you know, the symbol. It's, 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 it's huge symbology in film and in human existence. So it makes sense that it's not... Like, I'm not gonna be... I hate shit where people are like, Obviously, there's this little thing in here that means it connects to that. It's just like, listen, yeah. dude. Yeah. Objects have many meanings, and they can mean specific things, yeah. and they can mean general things. I think I love that this can have, like, I can link all that together and say yeah, this is all right. happening in the same world. Right. That's satisfying yeah. to me because yeah. I love Twin Peaks, right. but it's not what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, no. No. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, man. This is, like, such a weird... I, like, I can't wait to watch this movie again. I know. I mean, just the more you watch those films, the more... Like, I've seen The Hollow Drive, like... The first time I saw The Hollow Drive, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. what happened. I don't know the ending. I made no sense to me. I was like, I don't... Who... What the hell is going on? Yeah. And it's funny to think that in my own head when I watch it now, because I'm like, man, I get this so well now, because yeah. I've seen it so many times. Like, yeah. Because there's so much shit that goes through there... There's so much stuff that happens in his movies, and like the the links to you know other plot points are sometimes so abstract and unclear that they're hard to grasp on the first viewing. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think Lost Highway, you know, is definitely one of those for me. And you know, I love this movie. I thought it was, I. I, I emotionally responded to it. For the most part, I think I, 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 I got a good grasp on it, and I think, like, okay, I think I know what this is about. Yeah. But when I watch it again, I might have a completely different right. interpretation I know. of it, and, like, completely be like, why was I... They're not the same person. You know, yeah. of course they're not. Obviously. <laughs> they're, they're, they're there. It's like, you know, I think that's what I love about his movies. But when I'm top of that, is they're entertaining as fuck. Yeah, so fun. <laughs> like they're this so movie, goddamn like, fun. There's so many good uh, scenes in this movie. There's so many inventive, like editing and camera stuff that he's that Lynch is doing. Obviously, that is run throughout his entire filmography. There, are, can we just talk about? There are two actors in this movie that yeah. 
I did not know that they were in the movie, and when they popped up, I was like, what oh. the fuck is going on? Yeah. So, uh, when Richard Pryor shows up in a, in a wheelchair, <laughs> and I was like... Is that Arnie? Yeah, Richard Pryor. Who's wow. One of the... I mean, it's Richard Pryor. I don't have to explain who Richard Pryor is. <laughs> but, like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Richard Pryor... Is it a David Lynch movie? <laughs> it is not being funny at all. Yeah. There's no joke. It's just Richard Pryor. Yeah. And you're like, what the? And then the best one of all. And I was kind of disappointed that he was in this movie and that David Lynch didn't really do anything with him. Yeah. Gary Busey, who. Who plays Pete's dad? And yeah. if you know anything about Gary Busey, that man is fucking insane. He's like Nicholas Cage White. <laughs> the guy in his real life is a fucking crazy person. Yeah. And I was just waiting for the Gary Busey like freak out moment or Yeah. And then you didn't really get that. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, oh well. Yeah. But I was like, I was so perplexed yeah. by that. Here's like, another cool cameo that I'm not sure if you noticed. One of the security guards who take in Fred, one of the two who, the, the, the not the gray tall guy, because he's also a famous actor, but the no, short, Henry Rollins. Yeah. Henry Rollins, the lead guy of Black Flag, <laughs> is just casually in this movie. Which just goes to show that anyone, like David Lynch can just say, it's like, hey, do you want to just like appear? And Marilyn Manson's in this movie too. He plays a porn star Marilyn in this movie. Marilyn Manson is in this movie? Yeah, he made a song for this. And David Bowie wrote a song for this movie. And wow. uh, Ramstein oh, is yeah, in this the movie. Opening, the opening song is David Bowie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know, I was like, dude, this song is fucking awesome. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I'm a huge Bowie fan. I, I don't know what it, I, I've never heard it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, he wrote it awesome. for this. Also, yes. Bowie, Bowie is, Bowie knew Lynch personally because he's in He's in Twin Peaks, yeah. He's I in Firewalk with me. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Oh yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. David Bowie and David Lynch are two peas in a pod. Sound like they definitely be friends. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and then um, what else do I have? Let's see there's some other stuff that I wanted to I wanted to talk about. Um I'll keep the people entertained. Hmm. I'll say, I'll say, uh, uh... Oh, I also want to talk about... That's um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to talk about mention uh, Patricia Arquette, who uh -huh. plays Renee oh. and Alice. She is fantastic in this movie. Um, Lynx is very famous for having, like, awesome actresses in this movie and getting, like, great performances out of actresses like Laura Gern, yep. uh, Naomi Watts in The Hall yep. of Drive, uh, Isabella Rosalini in Blue Velvet, you know, yep. like, and Laura Gern in, in Blue Velvet. Yep. Um, you know, he's really, he picks really awesome actresses. And, and Patricia Arquette, this is a role that is very um, Revealing and very demanding. She, is she has sex a lot. Basically, making throughout the whole film. <laughs> like, yeah. And she, the way that she plays both characters is so awesome. Like, she, yeah. she totally got the blurring of the line between the two. Yeah. And I think she plays it so well. Because there's parts of it where you're like, 
is that Renee? Is that Allison? And I can't wait to watch that again, watch it again. Yeah. To see if there's, if there's another, if there's a weird connection in the first part of the movie to the second, the second half of the film. Yeah. You know, and see if there's, if Alice and Renee are, are you know, <laughs> like, because there's a lot of imagery in the movie that suggests that they are the same person. Yeah. Um, and it's just cool, man. It's, just, it's fun to think about. Lynch movies yeah. are just fun to sit out and think about. There's no answers. It's kind of like just, a therapy session. Fun. Where you yeah. just you're just bouncing off. He's like, well, "What did this part make you feel like?" And it's I like, kind of oh, yeah. expected that this podcast was gonna be like that. Yeah. Because what else was it gonna be? Yeah. Like there, I, there's no answers. You know, yeah. there's there's some, <laughs> but not not a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I thought this movie was fantastic. Me too. Um, I would have, in terms of what like Game and the Game of Links canon that I have seen. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't think that this is one of my favorite Game of movies, but that is, with that being said, I've seen this movie one time. I've seen yeah. Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, The Hall and Drive, Elephant Man, multiple times. Yeah. Know? So I have more time with those movies. Yeah. And this movie, I just saw it, I'm perplexed, I have no idea what I just saw, but I loved it. Uh, <laughs> and so, in that respect, I think this isn't one of my favorite Lynch movies, as of now yeah but that being said it's like it'll be like picking like your favorite indiana jones movie out of the trilogy like it's right. pretty fucking hard to do they're all great you know so um, why don't you why don't you just slap on an, a rating on the end of your thought because so, that was a really uh, good that was a really good so, sum up of the whole thing <laughs> so initially i think i'm gonna give this an eight out of ten all a right strong eight out of ten because i think as my first viewing I think they're. I think the movie's a little long. Yeah. I think I. I think I would have liked a little more. Like, I don't know. I think I just kept thinking of the Holland Drive and how like, like, like how like it's interesting to compare this to the Holland Drive because the Holland Drive is like perfecting this like. Yeah. This uh, this idea of blending the surreal with the with the realism. Yeah. And um. I don't know. It's a weird criticism to have. I guess it's just like personal for me that I wish yeah. I would have. I wish I would have had more answers to be like, okay, this is what's going on. Right. Right. Just because I like knowing certain things, but that doesn't. I mean, I still love investigating this movie. And who knows? Maybe if I watch it again, I'll be like, oh, well, yeah, they're the same person. Like, of course they are. Yeah. I'm a dummy. Yeah. yeah. You know. So now I pick up on something that you know I didn't know, but. Yeah. Um, right now, it was an incredible experience. I didn't. Uh, I. I wasn't. I mean, I. I expected that. David Lynch never. He will never. If you watch a David Lynch movie, and you walk out and you go, eh, that yeah. was like okay, and then like two hours later, you forget you even saw it. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You have something wrong with you. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> anyone has movies. found a Lynch movie forgettable. They might have had, yeah. it might they might have stuck with it and been you unpleasant, could, but you're either gonna like be like, what the hell is that, and clean about it for the rest of your life, or you're gonna hate it and but still think about it for the rest of your life and be traumatized that you can't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I would suggest if you haven't seen a David Lynch movie, 
please watch one because they're super unique yeah. and strange and you might just fall in love with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would give it a, a strong 8 out of 10. That's a, I think that's a really good for analysis. For my initial first viewing. This could easily be a 9. Yeah. Or even a 10, really, if I just watch it more. Yeah, for me, um, I had two criticisms of it, and one of them I have no idea what it was, so I'm just going to assume it was a bad <laughs> criticism. Uh, my other criticism, my second criticism, was the exact same as your criticism, was yeah. that it's a little bit long, which, again, it's not that 2 hours 15 minutes was too long. I think for yeah. me, it was the point where it switched to Pete's yeah. story yeah. that it slowed down for me, and yeah. I had to right. readjust to that. And right. I don't know if I need to, and again, this is first time viewing, so it's like second time viewing, that might flow great. Well, I think part of it is the first time viewing, I had no other flipping clue that was going to happen. Absolutely. Like, not at all. And I was so really we're... engaged with what was happening with exactly. like, the Fred storyline. So, totally. And I think that's not a knock on the film. It's just like, it's just such a code shift that you, you kind of have to readjust yourself to go, okay, we're following this guy now. Yeah. And I think it's slow because you're kind of like, where is this go? For like 10 minutes, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. You know, like, you just don't, like, there's so many different characters that are introduced and. Yeah, you kind of have to read. It's like you're watching another movie. Yeah, and I think I think <laughs> so. I think he has done transitions better in his other movies. Like yeah. that was that transition was a little bit jarring. But again, that's that was a first time experience. That being said, I had a fantastic first time watching this movie. Yeah. Like it just it was a very emotional experience for me because you know I'm a huge fan of Twin Peaks, so connecting that in just got just made me really really engage with it on a really totally. deep level yeah. and gave me some you know made me feel like I had some background understanding of it too yeah. so I felt like I had you know some secret knowledge about it which right. was really cool, cool. yeah um and it just scared the living shit out of me. It's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. like something that like I don't get out of movies where, you know, I just any movie that just makes. It's weird to say I have I have intense feelings towards movies and they make me feel things, but when it's usually I there's feelings that I choose to have about movies. Yeah. This movie said I'm gonna make you feel this way. Totally. And, and I'm I not really gonna that, tell you what that feeling is. Dude. You just described, I think, what cinema is so amazing because you could go and see a movie that you don't. I didn't want to feel disturbed and scared. Yeah. But this movie made me feel that. There are yeah. times where you. That is when you truly realize, like, how well a movie is working. Is yeah. When you sit down and you're like, you don't know what you're gonna feel, or but when it's you know, of course you don't want to feel disturbed. Of course yeah. you don't want to feel, but when this when this film literally forces that emotion on you, that's just it's crazy. It's I know, super impressive. I know, I know, and I think because of that, because I had such a incredible viewing, um, again, uh, from my experience of this, I want to give it a ten. But I'm, yeah. I'm I want to have a policy just where I just don't want to give films say the film's perfect until I've seen it more than once. I just right. think that that's an important policy to have. Yeah. So this is a nine out of ten. This is yeah. a nine out of ten that really wants to be a ten out of ten. Yeah. Because it's, I, again, I, this is something where the way we review and give our ratings is not so much 
an objective sense. It's hard to say if you can rate a movie objectively. Yeah. It's hard to say if you can rate anything objectively unless you're comparing, like, is this pencil longer than another one, you know? <laughs> like, is is 2 plus 2 4, you know? Right. All those kinds of yeah. shit. But, like... <laughs> um, but, you know, so our ratings are based on our feelings, and I don't think that this movie is a perfect movie. Where I might claim, like, The Lighthouse is a perfect movie. Yeah. I do think that movie's perfect. Okay. I think other Lynch movies are perfect, and I might yeah. argue that this movie's not perfect. But I think that um, just because I think that all movies should not strive to necessarily be like this in format, but be like this in how far it can go ambition Should, yeah ambition we, the amb we, we willing to do something like this yeah and also we need to discuss the non-linear non-linearity of this film that right of the narrative yeah yeah the narrative and I think that there's a I forgot to say this but there's a really interesting story this is all I'm saying and we'll, yeah. we'll end it yeah is that there's this really interesting story when this movie came out in theaters in the, in the UK, this was back when they, you know, were on film. This yeah. was back when, you know, projections were on theaters on film. And there was a, there was a theater that was playing the reels wrong. So they would play, like, the second half of the movie first, and, the, and then the first Whoa. half of the movie. And so people would come out of the movie and have really interesting and different interpretations of the film. Yeah. But it would make sense to them. It wouldn't, like, they were like, it was like we didn't know what was happening. It was like, it, they had this super interesting perspective of the movie. Whoa. That's really cool. <laughs> and I mean, I think you could go along. Two, there's two kinds of people who would interpret that story in one way. One person would say, it's just like, well, that's proof that this is utter nonsense. You know, yeah. you watch in any order that you want to, and it doesn't make any sense. For me, it's that that means every single scene has emotional poignancy and interest to it. So right. you throw it together, and you see that the story is in all of these pieces, and you juxtapose yeah. it any fucking way you want, and people will still yeah. get a feeling for what that story is, you know? Yeah. I still, I think there's a lot of thought put into the structure and how this is structured, but I find that absolutely. fascinating. That yeah, people... I, well, yeah, absolutely. I think that's just an interesting note to say, because I think totally. the spell is so... Totally interesting. ...so non-linear. Yeah. And so, uh, all over the place, narratively, possibly. Yeah. I think it is, <laughs> but you can also make an argument that it's not. Or you yeah. Think, you know, but, um, I just think it's cool that there's an audience out there that saw... The second half of the film. Yeah. And, and then, then the, the first half, but they were, in a way, you, they were connected. And you had this really weird interpretation of what you think the movie was. And it's just such a different experience. But you can say that about any film. Yeah. You know? I would love to watch that cut of that film. But I mean, like, you know, if you compare this film, like, what if you like had avengers like the yeah, infinity right. war yeah, something exactly, yeah. and you watched the end game before <laughs> infinity war and end yeah. game was cut where you saw the ending before the beginning <laughs> as soon yeah. as you saw the ending if you saw the ending of end game like the final battle before you saw everything else that yeah. whole movie would just be so boring like say like like think about this say like um the the last shot of the movie where he's like buzzing out and then it and then it goes into 
hearing the diplomat is, is gone. Yeah. Or, so you know, <laughs> you have this action where then it turns into oh. where Pete's the first guy you see and you switch into Fred. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. That would fuck me up. Yeah, right. That's right. totally like just messes up everything. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's pretty. I've never heard of something like that. I've never heard of um, a theater. Like, because usually people would pick up on that. Yeah. But because we're watching a Lynch movie, no one knows what's no happening. No one in the audience was like, hey, this is backwards. Yeah. Everyone was just watching it. Like, they didn't even. I thought that was. That's really fascinating. Really interesting. That's really fascinating. Anyway. We should wrap this up. We've been talking for a while. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was a wild podcast. Um, hopefully, we'll be wild at heart at some point. I want to. Um, it's on the, it's on the ring. That's the one that and fire walk with me. The last two Lynch movies I've ever seen. Yeah. So, oh, I um, have to I have to make my suggestion for next week. Oh, yeah. What's, okay, I yeah, what's, what's the next week's? Film. So but, we have another film that is going to be another rather weird film, but um, I think you're going to be interested to see this. I don't think you've seen this, but I want to watch Beyond Black, The Black Rainbow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Which this yeah, film, yeah, yeah. this film is described as being a film that doesn't is not very strong in the story department, but is basically a visual orgasm. And this is yeah. by the same Panos Cosmostos, Mostos, who yeah. apparently has a father who made uh, some very famous movies he made like the old famous western movies but we uh, know but, him because he made mandy uh right panos right. Yeah, and right. this is his film he made before mandy he's only made yeah. two features that i think have gotten a lot of success so yeah. i love mandy i think it's one of the best films ever made and i want to see his <laughs> other work so i'm going to subject yeah. you to it too yeah yeah i, I want yeah that's i think that was on my list actually i do want to watch uh beyond black rainbow yeah. What's it called? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, because Mandy was such a, such a, you know, Masterpiece. experimental and weird film that I, I wanted to see what, I, what else that man made. So, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I want to watch that. I'm excited. All right, people. That's going... the film next week. I'm tired. I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> tell Lost your mama. Tell your dada. Uh, don't tell Follow. your cousins. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook. Peace out. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.